0: You're listening to the Prestige 70 podcast, a collection of intimate conversations with contemporary jazz artists with an eye toward the genre-defining music made on Prestige Records. Our guest today is one of the most influential percussionists in Afro-Cuban jazz. He's been featured on albums by the Jazz Crusaders, Eddie Harris, Freddie Hubbard, Tito Puente, Mongo Santa Maria, among many others. He joined Cal Jader's band in 1975 and remained with him as a featured soloist until his death in 1982, as a band leader, he's released over 20 albums, and in 1999, his album, Latin Soul, won the Grammy Award for Best Latin Album. Pancho Sanchez, welcome to the Prestige 70 podcast. Thank you, Scott. Well, I want to go back with you because so much of your path in your career in music has, um, has been unique, Born in Laredo, but but your parents are from Mexico, right? Tell me about when you came to Southern California.
1: I was three and a half years old, I think uh-huh. they told me yeah. when uh, we came from Laredo. Uh, there's I have eleven brothers and sisters, six sisters and four brothers, and uh, we're all born down south in Laredo, Texas, mm-hmm. right next to the Rio Grande. Yep. My father was in the dry cleaning business. Yeah. They had a little small cleaners, and he decided to uh, to move to Los Angeles. Uh, because I think when my uncles uh, moved here first and said there was a lot of work and Mm -hmm. a lot of cleaners were opening up, so there was a lot of work for my dad, so my dad decided to uh, put us all in a black Plymouth, and we all loaded up (laughs) like the the Beverly Hillbillies (laughs) (laughs) and came on out. um, My father bought a house in Norwalk, Uh California, right, right, of course, a suburb of Los Angeles. Uh, And and so for us, uh, I think the way it all happened is we moved out to Los Angeles, Norwalk, yeah. and they discovered the television and the radio. You mm. know what I mean? Because in mm-hmm. Laredo, at that time, there there was very little radio mm. stuff. And anything you would get on the radio down in Laredo, Texas, in the 50s, would be uh, Mexican music. It would be yeah. uh, uh, ranchera music, mm-hmm. norteño music mm-hmm. or mariachi music, you know, yeah. like that, you know, from Mexico. When we got out here to California, my mostly my my brothers too, but mostly my sisters, I have six sisters, and they got they caught the first wave of the mambo and cha-cha-cha music mm-hmm. that came to Los Angeles mm-hmm. by way of, of course, Cuba, Puerto Rico, New York City, even Mexico City yeah. to Los
0: Angeles. Because you, you, know. you, you couldn't necessarily find that stuff on record anywhere. They, they had to be hearing it on the radio.
1: Yeah, no, well, not around here. Uh, you know, Scott, the way it happened, there's a gentleman that he passed away already by the name of Chico Sesma. Mm. Chico Sesma had the very first Afro-Cuban, what they call salsa music nowadays, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, radio show on the, on the radio uh, at that time. He was, he was the first guy and the only guy mm. to play Afro-Cuban music or what they call salsa music today. And he would come out uh, for one hour once a week. That was it.
0: And I think that w- that was like on K-O-W-L. Yeah, something. something like
1: that. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was yeah. just a little boy, yeah. but my sisters would get in their room and move the rug out of the way or whatever, and they would wait for Chico Sesma's radio show to come on. As a matter of fact, later on in my, in my record, Psychedelic Blues... I recorded his theme song. His theme song was a song called Con Sabor Latino, uh, Con Sabor Latino means uh, with Latin flavor. Mm. And I remember it would say, uh, Con sabor Latino, muy sinceramente para sus vecinos y para usted, aquí estoy yo," which means for all, all you Latin lovers, this, is, this I'm here for you to play Latin music. Ah. And then it, there's a part of the song where it slows down in tempo, because that was a mambo. Mm-hmm. The tempo I was singing is in a mambo tempo. Then it goes down to a cha-cha-cha, and it's, so it's going to a cha-cha now, and they would start singing in English. It says, um, I play your boleros and your merengues. I play all the cha-cha-chas and mambo's for you. The swinging is bad, the best in the land. And he said, I pleasure to be your host, ta da 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 and back to Amambo. mambo. So right when it would say, I pleasure to be your host, it's a pleasure to be your host, Chico Sesma would lower it down and say, hi, I'm Chico Sesma, and I, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be Perfect. your host. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I'll never
1: forget that. It, it yeah. was like a little boy, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And my sister used to love that, you know? Yeah. Well, Chico Sesma was the first guy to play that type of music. Mm. He would play Cal Jader and, and people like that, you know, Orquesta going from Cuba. The Charanga music from Cuba. Chico Sesma started the Latin holiday dances here in Los Angeles in the late 50s, early 60s. My sisters were barely old enough to go to those, so they used to go to the Latin holiday dances and come home with the, they'd buy the records there from, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, these different people, different artists. So they'd come home and the next morning they would put these records on all day long and dance. So I would watch my sisters dance the Mambo and Cha 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 when I was a little right, boy.
0: Right. So that was when you were very young. As, mm-hmm. as you were starting to get older, maybe getting into junior high school and into high school, what what else were you hearing? What what else did you what else did you hear?
1: Well, at that time uh, is when the um, uh, British invasion mm-hmm. came, came in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles like that and also there was soul music too james brown wilson pickett otis redding
0: yeah great soul music. yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. man the bed my still my favorite yeah style. yeah yeah. and the temptations and the tops uh-huh. you know, uh the motown thing you know uh-huh. uh and 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 then even a little past that uh into high school was the uh acid rock music you know the mm-hmm. uh the who the cream the uh, exactly, uh, Iron Butterfly, yeah. all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. I was not a big fan of, you know. Uh-huh. And it was a little rough for me because my friends were, you mm. know, what I mean, well, everybody in the neighborhood, you know, they knew all about that, uh, you know, the, uh, acid rock music, because sure. that was happening around that time too. And I liked black soul music is mm. what I liked, you know, mm. and I liked old doo wop music and yeah. stuff. And of course, Dito Puente and Cal Jader. None of my friends knew what any of that was. Hmm. They wanted. Just acid rock music. Did, did
0: you ever, ever have happening. to explain it to them?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I sure did. And, yeah. and, and 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 most of the time they'd say that's old people's music. Take uh, take that stuff off. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So I did have a few Jimi Hendrix records stashed yeah. for when my friends came over to to smoke those Just funny little cigarettes yeah. and uh,
0: you know what I mean, like I have that. No <laughs> idea what you're talking. Yeah. about. If I understand correctly, percussion was not your first instrument.
1: No, no. At first, uh, what happened is there was a gentleman that lived across the street from us. I must have been in, like, I don't know, the fifth or sixth grade. And the gentleman across the street from us, his name was Benny Rodriguez. Mm. Benny lived across the street from us, and he had, they had a rhythm and blues band. And that's when the Motown sound barely first came out, and they had a band called the, the Chevelles. Mm. When the Chevelle cars came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Chevelles... And they played all this soul music, you know, and mostly a lot of Motown stuff. So I would sit sit in the driveway and watch them practice through the window. Benny um, played the guitar in the band. And so uh, that was the only thing available to me. I mean, I, I, I could feel this fire burning in my soul, man, hmm. that you know, I wanted to dance with my, with my sisters or I wanted to play an instrument. Or something, but I didn't. We didn't have no money. Hmm. When there's 11 kids, you ain't got no extra money in the house, okay? Yeah. Don't even ask. Um, <laughs> So uh, Benny sold me an old acoustic guitar for, for 50 cents, but it was missing three strings. And later on, I bought the other three strings, and he was trying to teach me just a couple of simple things. And, um, and I was doing that for a minute. Yeah. And then what happened is I got into junior high school, right about then, and he was teaching two other guys down the street. Those three of us, he was teaching us how to play the guitar. Well, my dad got the big idea to move back to Laredo, And um, I think it could have been around 64 or 63 or something like that. We're going back to Laredo, and we said, why? You know what I mean? We're from Los Angeles. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and a couple of my sisters got married real quick so they wouldn't have to go back. <laughs> Actually, they had, my, two months, they had a double wedding, I remember. And the next week, we went to Laredo.
0: They both got married on the same day. Yeah, yeah but oh they, because
1: they had a double wedding because yes.
0: they didn't want to go to Laredo. <laughs> and
1: they they were thinking about marriage, but they, they yeah. hurried them up. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it ends up, uh, myself, my brother, a uh, year and a half older than me, and then my sister, a year and a half older than him, us three had to go back. Hmm. So we went back, went back to Laredo, and they didn't know anything about soul music, or, they, well, not much, you know what I mean? They were into more the traditional music hmm. in Texas, yeah. which is cool, you know? It's all good, but I was I wanted to learn James Brown or something, yeah. Ray Charles or something, you know? Well, long story short, I, I think I knew Honky Tonk on guitar and What I Say and something real simple like that. I practiced those songs with three songs. I practiced them every day, every day, um, a year later, we moved back to Norwalk, Los Angeles, and I, I thought it was a hot shot because I knew those songs real good now, mm. you know what I mean? And I went back to the neighborhood with the guys who were learning with me, and I knock on the door, and hit, uh, one of the Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Vasquez, who has passed now, his sister, answered the door. Boncho, what are you doing here? You know, because they knew I moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. Ah, we moved back. You moved back? All right. I said, is it Ralphie here, man? You know, does he still have a guitar and all that? Is Benny still teaching him? He said, oh, he has an electric guitar with an amplifier now. What? You know, he <laughs> probably got the three strings, you know? <laughs> And he said, no, and they have a band down the street. Do you know Mike Dominguez? I go, yeah, I remember Mike. He plays bass in the band, and they're practicing in his garage. I went over there like, what? You know, what did I miss out on? Yeah. Man? I went there, and I walked in. They're like, poncho, poncho. They're rehearsing it, and I'm there. And I got my little beat-up guitar, and I'm starting to hide it now because they had brand new electric guitars with amplifiers, mm. and they were sing- they were, they had a little repertoire of tunes. They had, they had a band, yeah, and drummer yeah. and all that. And I'm like, my eyes, are- my, tongue's hanging out, you know, like what's going on here? And I said, man, why did I go to Laredo? Look what I missed out <laughs> on. Well, what happened is, I thought it was a hotshot guitar player, right? Mm. Well, Ralphie told me. Boncho, we don't need a guitar player. There was three guitar players in the band already, and they all played better than me, you know? Uh, Because Benny kept showing them, you know? and They kept... kept, Yeah, they progressed. They progressed, and I didn't, you know what I mean? So he said, what we need is a singer. And I said, singer, huh? Mm." He said, there's the microphone. Why don't you give it a shot? And I was a skinny... At one time, I was a skinny person. (laughs) I was a skinny kid. And don't forget, I I used to dance with my sisters. Right. They they taught me all the ladies' dances. Well... I mean, I want to be in the band, right? So I got that microphone and I put on the biggest show that I could think of. You know what I mean? With <laughs> the James Brown and you know <laughs> and I, You're hired. I, I had no idea what yeah. I was doing. I was yeah. just doing because I want to be part of this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm singing and after the song was over, the, the the guys in the band were staring at me and they go, Wow, poncho, you sing great. And I go <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm see, in the band. You got it. And yeah. they gave me a stack of forty fives. And said, "We got a wedding this weekend. Learn the songs. songs." And I'm like, well, "So, so, what was the repertoire? What, what, what were the oh, songs?" Uh, I remember one for sure: uh, "Wooly Bully." "Wooly S- Bully." "Sam Desham and the yeah, Pharaohs." <laughs> yeah. "Out of Sight." James Brown. Uh-huh. Which I later on I did an album called yeah. "Out of Sight." You know, right. Uh, we right. um And then uh, at weddings, you have to sing slow tunes, you know, mm-hmm. ballads or ballad well they call oldie but goodies, right? Mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I had to learn uh, "That's All" and. Uh, Uh, for your love now that's a classic for your love that was the 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 wedding march for weddings yeah yeah. that was a big wedding march Uh for your love you gotta do it Uh, Ed Townsend was the one version we liked Hmm. so you know I learned all them tunes I mean well sort of You know, I was faking some of the words you know what I mean (laughs) and and I got out there and, and, and the first gig I got to the microphone's in front, of course, of the band. You know, the singer, right? Sure. And then I said, well, I don't want to be out. Put me over here with you guys. So, no, Poncho, the singer, always goes in the front. <laughs> oh, and plus, you got to make all the announcements for the way. I, I was scared of the microphone, you know? Ah! But you know what? Uh, by push and pull and all
0: that, right? I became right. Uh, yeah. a vocalist. Yeah. You know I mean? But you were also a member of a band. So. Yeah, it was uh, so, The it was Halos. The Halos. That was it. Yeah. So, so your musical experience is now really beginning. Yeah. You know, that that here you are singing with this singing with this band.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did you find your way to drum set?
1: Uh, drum set. Yeah, what happened is, um, actually, I got a drum set first, a trap set. Yep, uh, yep. And I started learning to play a little jazz on there. Uh-huh. And, and then some soul music and whatever. And I used to be in a Tex-Mex band, even, played Tex-Mex polkas and all that uh-huh. stuff. So I went through all that, you know what I mean? Wow. In the neighborhood. Uh, and then I, I joined another little band. I think it was called uh, the Young Set. Was the name of the mm. band, and they had some timbales there. So the first percussion instrument I learned to play was the timbales first. Mm. So I learned to play the timbales. Yeah. I think we were playing them backwards or something. We had them turned the wrong way. But, we the
0: <laughs> but here's here's the thing. I mean, th- this is uh, the late fifties, early sixties. 60s. Uh, 60s, yeah, yeah, early sixties. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no workshops that you can no. go to. There's no, no God knows there's no internet. No YouTube. <laughs> you know, no YouTube, none of that. Nothing. So how, you obviously taught yourself yeah. in the main. Yeah. How'd you do it?
1: You know, I did, uh, I had all the, a lot of records from my sisters, hand-me-downs, you know, brother, brothers and sisters. And then by then I started buying my own records, mm-hmm. you know. And there was pictures on the back of the albums with conga players like this. Or like this, you know. You know, and that's what I look like. How he would hold his hand, and then I would listen to the sound of it, and you could tell that the conga player there's a slap, Mm -hmm. and they call it in Spanish seco, dry, and then there's open tone, so I could see the hand like this in the picture, and I could see the other when I open like that. So I would just try to do that and the doom-doom. The hard part was to get the <laughs> pop. the doom-doom where you just kind of go you go it's not too hard it's to not too hard that. but yeah. to get the pop, the slap yeah. you gotta position your hand you, you gotta find the sweet spot on mm. the drum and, and I remember mean, I tried for like two or three days and it would sound like a thump you know it wouldn't pop let me tell yeah, you yeah. and I'm trying like crazy and I remember mean, I said god damn it pop. that's it there it, it is, is. Yeah. and so you, yeah. you, you can feel it in your hand when you get the the pop, mm-hmm. pop, it's like, oh, now nah, that's what they're doing. So that's how you started a step at a time, learning the slap and the pop. And then later on, I learned how to do the two-point shuffle, three-point shuffle, mambo, merengue, whatever. I learned all the different uh, patterns because each Latin country has their traditional dance mm-hmm. and their traditional rhythm. Yeah. So all the different countries have
0: yeah. So you've got to learn all the different rhythms. Yeah. And, and, but some uh, of, I mean, some, some of that, all of that stuff is incredibly intricate. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's, it had to be a process for you of, you know, you put the needle down, you yeah, listen, take exactly. the needle up, you try it, exactly. put the needle down again. Yeah. Um, that had to go on forever. Mm-hmm. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico... It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com investing in America.
1: It well, seems. I got to tell you a story. I'll tell you what happened. I was playing in the garage like that for about about two or three weeks. And one of my uh, sisters, my sister Gracie, uh, you know, she was, she she knew all about the land mess She used to go to the land holiday dances all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. So she, she knew what was going on. And she'd come home from work or whatever, and she'd hear me in the garage. And and she goes, you know, you're starting to sound pretty good. You know, like it sounds pretty good coming out. The sound's coming out of the garage. sound, mm-hmm. You can tell it's a conga in there, you know yeah. what I mean? And she goes, you know what? I'm going to get a professional musician to come and give you a listen. Uh, and she goes, there's a guy named uh, Ray Medina. His name was Ray Medina. I, I, I seen him not too long ago. Well, maybe about 12 years ago. <laughs> but Ray Medina... Uh, he had a little, uh, Ray Medina and the Latin Four, I think it was the name of his band. And he used to play at the Pasta House in East L.A. And some of the local gigs had a little mm-hmm. Latin band. Well, anyway, she went to see Ray Medina and said, Hey, I got a little brother that that's learning to play How much would you charge for lessons or a couple of lessons? And I think he charged her 25 bucks. I didn't have no money. Mm. So my sister, Grace, Your sister did, yeah, she used to... Uh, Beautician. she used to comb hair, uh-huh. so she got a bunch of quarters together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, it ends up that um, Remedios coming to my mom's house, to my mom's garage. That's where, I'm, where I hang. Yeah. He pulls up. He lived in Los Angeles. We lived in Norwalk. Mm-hmm. And he went and and he said, "Give me a hand." I think he had crutches. He had a crutch. He had some kind of leg problem or something. And I said, "Oh, sure." You know, I'm a young kid, strong, ready to go. Uh, he, I pulled out the congas uh, out of his. He had a VW. Bus, you know, love that. And he, I pulled a conga out of there, and I told wow, that's a gombop. You know, gombop was a company that makes congas, they're still around making Hmm. congas, which later on they made congas for me, the Poncho Sanchez model. Yeah that's another story but anyway <laughs> I'm pulling these drums out. And I go oh that's the uh, voodoo model and I mean I because I used to see it in the downbeat magazine sure I would see the, the ads. advertisements yeah yeah the ads. yeah so I knew what every drum looked like yeah, and, yeah. oh that's the new one Oh, that's <laughs> the old one you know well anyway he comes and I go man these are beautiful congas he goes that's the best conga money can buy you know I said I know that you know I wish I had them and I went <laughs> in the garage and I had some uh, little striped congas from Mexico and they they cost me 67 bucks a piece <laughs> and they were brand new yeah, yeah but anyway they weren't too good anyway he, the guy came in the garage he goes you know i'm kind of running late so you better we better hurry up i am go geez you know and he said uh first of all let me see you play just so i can see where you're at and i can see yeah. where to go with you yeah and he goes uh put on the record and play the record i said of course i had my favorite cal jader record on it put the needle on it I'm doing my little thing, you know. And then after, and then take it off the thing. I sit there, and and he's staring at me. I'm going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Maybe I'm like totally wrong here, you know. He goes, hey, man, how did you do that little move with your left hand? (laughs) I said, what? (laughs) I, I demonstrate, you mean this? He goes, yeah, man, that's nice, man. That's nice. I go, oh, thanks. And he goes, how long have you been playing? About about five or six years? I go, five or six years. <laughs> Three weeks. Ah! He goes, well, how did you learn? Like, you ask yeah. me, how did you learn? I go, I don't know. I looked at the back of the albums
0: and got the pop and the slap. You know well, what yeah. I
1: mean? Yeah. But so. but
0: but some of that, I mean, some of that had to be kind of in your DNA. I think
1: so. You I know, mean I really I, I mean I mean just, wa- just watching <laughs> just
0: watching you here this stuff this stuff just comes out of you know the the, the rhythm the sense of rhythm I think Just there's, comes out of there's
1: something in it way yeah. back in there that, that yeah. we don't all know about. You right, know I mean? right. But, you know, it, it, it felt very natural to me. Yeah. It's, as well as singing in that band and dancing like James Brown, I mean, yeah. that came pretty natural to me. Right. That's why I did it, right? Right,
0: right. I right. Mean,
1: And I got accepted, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And same with the conga. It felt very natural. It actually felt good on my hands when I hit mm-hmm. the drum. Yeah. It actually felt right, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it fit like a glove, you know? Uh-huh. And after that, I... Uh, the guy told me, and then there was a drum set there. And he goes, "Don't tell me you play those too." And yeah. I go, well, "Actually, I play those better than these." Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that that you were listening. You were already at that point listening to Cal Jader.
1: Oh yeah, ever since I was a little boy, because yeah. my brothers and sisters had the records.
0: Yeah, what what is it about that music that so moved you at such an early age?
1: Man, you know, I, I think it's just the 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 sound of the vibes and the conga and the timbales. Mm. It's mellow. Smooth, rich sounding, but with a the percussion there, it's uh, in, in, in English, that means it's very flavorful. Mm. It, you can f- f- taste the flavor or yeah. or the rhythm right away, you just want to groove, you know. Yeah. And then with the vibes, but the how mellow, and then the way Cal played, he played vibes smoother and sweeter than anybody mm. I know.
0: Yeah. The only one that
1: sounded like Cal G a little bit was Mel Jackson, Bags. Yes. But he played jazz. Yes. You know, Cal played Latin jazz, you right. know what I mean? And so the, the, all that that put together, I really was really impressed with that. It just felt right to me. And then I was learning about jazz at the time, you know, mm. uh, you know about my first John Coltrane record when I was in eighth grade or something. And I learned about the progressive jazz and stuff. And then with the Latin rhythms, you cross those two things together, you got Latin jazz. Yeah. I think it has the best of both worlds because it has the melody, the harmonies, the sophistication of jazz or American standards mm-hmm. or like that, with the flavor of the Latin rhythms and the Latin dancing. You cross those two things together, you
0: get yeah. Latin jazz. Yeah, right? just to, um, to to run the clock back just just a little bit. You were talking about you know learning to play in the in in the garage, and you would go out and play in a in a park. In in Santa Monica,
1: uh, Griffith Park.
0: It's oh, in uh, uh, in, in, uh, in Los Angeles, yeah, in Los Angeles, yeah, right off Um, the five, right? Right,
1: I guess that was uh, maybe almost out of high school, Mm -hmm. and so somebody told us, you know, there's conga players that play every Sunday at Griffith Park, which they still do today, you know. Um, so I said, Wow, oh, Griffith Park, that's where the merry-go-round is, and all that, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that that over there. So we went down to five and got off there, Los Feliz, or whatever, Uh and we went over there. Uh, it was myself and, and Ramon Banda, who has passed away. We mm-hmm. just lost him uh, about a month ago. Uh, Ramon, uh, we went to to Griffith Park. Uh, Ramon took Timbalas and I took Congas. Well, anyway, we got to the park and it's, it's a Sunday afternoon and it's a beautiful day, big, huge trees. beautiful park, right? All kinds of people. And there was a bit, bunch of guys underneath a tree and they're all drinking and smoking them cigarettes and stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, we're all hanging and... Uh, and they, they're playing, but everybody's got, like, they got trash cans and just anything they <laughs> can beat up. Plastic buckets. Yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. and they're just beating on it. And they, yeah. we did that for about 40 minutes, and it's just a bunch of noise is You're what right. it is. Yeah. And after a while, we said, oh, man, you know, this, this ain't cool, man. You know, this yeah. is, people are just getting high and acting up. All mm. they're doing. Cra- <laughs> this is craziness, you know. And some guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, um, Hey man, you, you sound pretty good. Cause I guess you know you, people paying attention to what you're doing, you know. Yeah. And I'm just trying to catch a groove, you know. Well, he said, you know, you should go up there with a good conga players play. and I go up where, you know, up there by the merry, You know, in the ground? Mar- know Mar- go yeah, up there on the hill. He go yeah, they're right next to the mariground. There's a, a piece of cement there where I think they had a picnic table, and they moved the picnic table, so that's where they could play. play. on Because yeah. to play on the on the carpet or to play on the grass, it eats the sound of the conga. Right. right. You- Put on some wood, or
0: sound bounces around. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. you know? yeah. So he goes,
1: yeah, they're up there, but they're the good, the Cubans and Puerto Ricans up there, and they mm. play really good. And I told Ramon, just go, man, you know. Tune, let's let's go up there. So we start going up there and we put our drums down and we're watching the circle, right? And there's about 10 guys playing. I go, wow, yeah, they sound good, man. And they're singing the rumba, you know. Oh, yeah, me wow, wanko. Oh, yeah, parabosa. And we're going, yeah, man, this is shit, man. This is it, baby. (laughs) And so we're watching all the cats play, you know. And people are hanging around, drinking beers and whatnot, you know. And and then all of a sudden, uh, I tapped a guy on the shoulder, you know, the, he, I could tell he was the main guy, you know, and because he, he was soloing. He was playing the quinto. A quinto is a smaller conga, and it's higher pitch. Mm. It's a talking drum. It's a solo, solo mm. drum. Everybody's playing, like, basic patterns, and this guy talks, you know, solo. And so I'm watching the guy play the quinto. And wow, I said, wow, he plays good, you know. So we're checking mine out, ten I tapped him on the shoulder, I said, hey, man, could I sit in? And, and he looked at me like that, and he's playing, and he said, ¿Tú eres cubano? And I said, No. Yeah. Are you Cuban? I said, I said no. Tu eres Puerto Rican? I said, no. Are you Puerto Rican? No. He said, what are you? I said, uh, I'm a Chicano. <laughs> Tejano. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Texan, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, he, and he looked at me, he goes, Chicano no not tocar la conga. means uh, Mexicans can't play the conga. Mexicans can't play the conga. And he kept playing. Blah, 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 and go I go, how do you know? You haven't heard me, you know? <laughs> it's like I got mad, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I said, and then Ramon said, What do you say? I go, ah oh, man, he don't let me sit. And he says, he said, Mexicans can't play congas, man. And and, and, he, and Ramon just was just looking at him now. And then all of a sudden he got up to go get a beer or go shake somebody's hand or something. He got up from me. You uh-huh. can tell him he walked across the circle there. So I jumped on there. The guy looked back like that. And he said, you know, and he, and he let me play I like, yeah. I played I don't know four or five minutes whatever and after they finished that little rumba, he told me he was telling me in Spanish he goes wow man you sound great he goes your father's gotta be a Cuban I said no I told you <laughs> you okay your mother's Puerto Rican right I said no they're from Mexico and he goes how you learn to play like that I said I oh, no, know. I just I like it. I, I here I have a lot of records at home yeah. of, of Mongo Santa Maria and Cal and they go, man, you song stay with us, man. Play, and, and that's how I, I had to break my way in there. Right,
0: you know what I mean? right. I mean, there was there was a sort of defined hierarchy of
1: yeah, you know, kind yeah. of what
0: was going even yeah. in the park.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're not gonna play if you don't play good. Man. Yeah, You're yeah. gonna they're gonna get you out real quick. Yeah, you know what I mean, and they're they're not like really nice guys and to <laughs> tap you on the show, Could you please move? You know, yeah. they're gonna grab you and get the hell yeah. Yeah. out of here. You know what I mean? It's, they're not gonna
0: play with you. Yeah. you know how, long, how long? How long? Did you how how often did you go back?
1: We didn't really go that much, but we went like maybe you know three or four times a uh-huh. year. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, and, and then after a while, we started getting gigs and put, trying sure. to put our little bands together. Sure, we were kind of starting to do our thing. Sure, you know? yeah.
0: You mentioned Mongo Santa Maria, yeah. and 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 he would become very important to to your career. And and I read that you would go see him, I think at the Lighthouse. Yeah, Hermosa in Hermosa. Beach. What did you learn by going to see him so early on? Well,
1: you know, we were. I was in high school, and I, I and, and, you know, it was first of all, it was just get it was hard to get a ride to go that far out from Norwalk to it's well, a long way, it's about 20 some yeah. miles or something. Yeah. Like and so, the cats in the neighborhood who had low riders, I would tell me, Hey, man. Take me to, to uh, uh, Hermosa Beach. They yeah. go, Hermosa Beach? What do you want to go there for? <laughs> I said, and I tell them, I'll put 50 cents of gas if yeah, you take uh, me. You That's go. a lot of gas. That's a lot of you know, gas. 50 yeah. cents of gas. I see Mongo play. I seen Mongo, uh, Sant'Bani's band play there, Cal Jeter's band, uh, the Jazz Crusaders. I seen mm-hmm. all of them play there. So that was a big deal to me. So we'd sit and watch Mongo play. Well, actually, I'd get there like at least an hour early just to stare at his congas because they'd be right in front of me. We'd sit in the front row and I would just stare at his congas like, wow, you know, how come I don't have something like that? (laughs) And I I would try to find out the difference between my conga and his, you know, maybe it's all in that conga that gives him that sound Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're thinking of everything, right? So I'm I'm checking. For an hour, I would look at his congas. Of course, you know, you respect so you would never touch, you know? And then when he'd walk out, to come and sit, I mean, I'd almost pass out. I mean, that's almost too much. Now he's behind the conga, yeah, yeah, yeah. the man, you know? Yeah. And then he'd start playing it. Oh man, I was in heaven, you know? Yeah. So I would watch the way he moved and the way he tilted the drum. And I just watched everything he hmm. did, hmm. the great mongo Santa yeah. Maria. Yeah. One of my partners said, why don't you go talk to him and ask him about the conga, you yeah. know? So I was, you know, scared and I respected the man very much. Mm. And I and, knew and no, he didn't speak really good English because he was from Cuba. So I went up to the bar because Mongo was sitting at the bar, and I was just a boy, uh, like in in high school. And I and I said, uh, I, of course, everything in Spanish. I yeah. told, him, "Excuse me, maestro, maestro. Excuse me, maestro, is a teacher, you know? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, maestro. Uh, my name's Poncho, and and I'm, I'm learning to play the conga. And I said, I want to ask you a question. Uh, is is this the right way to play the mambo pattern? and and, and on, on the bar. Yeah, you know, I I went, <laughs> you know, do my little thing, uh-huh. and he looking like this, you know, he had a little drink in his hand, looking at me like that, and then I tell, and then I stopped and I go, is that right, my is that right, maestro, you know, huh. is that right, teacher, and, and, and he goes, muscle menos, which means more or less, ah. <laughs> and, and, and 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 then I I waited for maybe some for him to say something else, right. that was it, that was it, muscle menos, and then he went back to his, that was it. There's, now there's a wall here, you know. Like you don't want to talk to me no more. And I went, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I walked away and my partner said, What did he say? What'd he say? What do he say? I go, Muslim man. What's that? <laughs> more or less. And it's funny, many years later when I got the gig with Cal because he used to play with Cal Jr. before yes. me. Yes. He then he see me play and he goes, Ah, you're the kid that... Mm. He said, you So play. he did make the connection. Yeah, he said, you, oh, you, wow. you can play, man. Wow. And and then he uh, not only that. Mongo Santa Maria came one of, to be one of my best friends. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a son named Mongo. Mm. I named my first son after yeah. Mongo. Yeah. And, and when we went to see Mongo play, my wife Stella was pregnant with, mm-hmm. with the baby. Yeah. In those days, you didn't know it was gonna be a boy or a girl. She had a, the baby here, and, and, and I told Mongo when I would see him play when he came off the stage, Mongo, could you rub? my wife's stomach because if it's if it's a boy we're going to call him mongo you know mm. and he goes oh yeah yeah so he's rubbing Stella's stomach for good luck and of course he came out a boy, so we named him mongo and his name's Xavier mongo Sanchez and then when they're little you call him monguito you know they're mm-hmm. little yeah they're little mongo right and so I would take him pictures of monguito when he was little when he's a baby and so he always tell he would always tell me Boncho, uh, uh, give, give the baby a kiss for me, you know, because, you know, he's from New York and we're from LA. Sure. Uh, give the baby a kiss when you get home for me. Oh, yeah, master, I, I will, I will. Uh, and, like, you know, 20 years go by, you, you, we became good friends. Won't you give the baby give a, a kiss, kiss. kiss for me. Mongo, he's 23 years old.
0: <laughs> you called, you described his playing as heavy. Yeah. What, what, what does that, what does heavy mean to you in terms of his playing? Heavy hitter man it's like a, a heavyweight champion really I mean?
1: they're not just going like this, they're yeah. going like with all their haymakers pow, oh man like yeah. you if you get hit you you're gonna you're gonna hmm. feel it, you know what I mean hmm. well, he was like the heavyweight champion of congas, you know what yeah. I mean he he, he plays like this, you know like that like that, you know and if you sit close to him, you could feel the wind from his arms like damn, this guy's hitting the drum. Yeah. He's not going, you know, this kind of thing. You're not doing that. And you, you could feel it, you're like, wow, you could feel the ground vibrating a little bit, like, man, that guy's kicking yeah. ass. You yeah, yeah, So you, you pay attention, you know, sure. I mean, this guy's, this thing's, this is right in front of you. Yeah. So you feel everything, it's like, wow, do you hear that sound he has? Mm. I mean, it's just heavy and strong. Like, man, it almost sounds like gunshots, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, wow, man, how does he get that big sound? Mm-hmm. So I, I worked on that for a long time to get that sound, you know? Yeah.
0: You, we 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 talked briefly about about Cal Jader and 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 you know I really kind of want to get into a little bit of of your time with him. Um, now I know it's a it's it's a fairly well told story about your being introduced to him, um, uh, but but I know you had gone to see him at concerts by the sea. Right, and there was some guy there. Tell me, tell tell that story.
1: Oh yeah, Ernie, the guys, uh, the gentleman who has also passed away now, Ernie Still Stills. Mm-hmm. And the way that happened, I was playing with that band Sabor. Yeah. And now I'm I'm married, you know, to Stella, and and I'm working. I was working in a foundry, you know, during the week. Just working, you know, and then playing on the weekends with Sabor. Mm. And there was a a local club in Pico Rivera, which is kind of close to where I live now. uh, And there was a club there, and it was predominantly a Latin American club. You know what I mean? It was called the Latin American Press Club. That's what it was called. And... um, and they had a couple of bands, one band in one room and another band in another room. Anyway, it used to get really packed and people would come in. I would say, you know, 90% Latino people in there, you know what I mean? And, um, and then in walks this white guy and he's wearing a hat with a little feather sticking out, I remember. And I'm playing up there and this white guy walks on, and think like, wow. He looks. He sticks out like a sore thing, <laughs> you know, right? but he was whatever. It's 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 a safe enough place. He, yeah. he he'll be all right. <laughs> so he went to the bar. Of course, of course, he went straight to the bar. And we're playing and bum bum or sitting in, and we'd be right back in fifteen minutes. So of course I'm going to the bar now, right? <laughs> so my turn to go to the bar on my break, and I, and it ends up I was right next to this guy who walked in, and he says, uh, "Hey man, you sound great." and I go, I felt like saying. How do you know? <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, who
1: are you? Yeah, who are you? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then he said, no, man, you really sound great, man. You you want, you, you want a drink? And I'm going, you buy and I'm drinking, mm-hmm. you know? So I got me, a, he bought me a drink, you know? And I thought, that was nice. My name's Ernie and all that. He goes, and I'm a good friend of Cal Jader's. And I went like, mm, yeah, right, mm-hmm. you know? To myself, I'm thinking, I got my drink. I said, hey, Ernie, thank you for the drink. And don't forget to tell your friend Cal Jader about me, you know what I mean? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell him, you know I went back to the stage with the guys in the band and they're just hanging, doing their thing. And I said, Hey, you see that guy over there with the hat on? He goes, You mean the white guy that walked in with the hat? <laughs> I said, Yeah. He said, he said uh, These guys in the band said, I said, See, I told him, He just told me he's a good friend of Cal Jaders and all the guys in the band I said, Yeah, right, get out of here. You know, and I got, In Spanish, they say mentiroso, which means that liar. You yeah, know? yeah. Eh, mentiroso, you know. And I said, Well, that's what he said, whatever. And we played and that went on. Two weeks went by, Cal Jader came to town at Hard uh, Room's These concert by the sea. Mm-hmm. Downstairs, underneath the right. pier, right? Right. So I get there with my, my my wife Stella and my friend Candy Martinez and we start going down to go, you know, pay our money to get into see Cal Jader play. We're at the top of the stairs and down at the box office right at the bottom of the stairs is Cal Jader and this guy Ernie face-to-face talking to each other and I stopped dead in my tracks I went, like, and 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 he and he looked at me. And goes, Cal, that's him, Poncho Sanchez. And I froze, man. And then I, and then they said, "Who's that guy?" I go, "Remember that guy? I told you was lying. They said he knew Cal." He said, "That's the guy. That's him. The guy from Pico Rivera." And 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 he goes, "Cal, that's him." I went down the stairs, and now I'm going. Uh, 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 I'm shaking now. You know what I mean? I, this guy wasn't lying. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's Cal, Poncho. And then Cal Calgary, I didn't know at the time, but Cal was letting guys sit in because he was going to break up his band and put a new band together. Mm. And he already knew guys around town that were interested. Sure. And he just went by and by this guy's word. This guy named Poncho Sanchez plays pretty good. Yeah. Well, he says, Man, my friend Ernie here says you play pretty good. And I said, Oh, well, thank you, man. I'm looking at him, man, thank you, you know? Mm. And he said, You want to sit in? And I go, When? He goes, Tonight. And I said, wow. And we sat down, I watched him play, a guy named Michael Smith was playing conga with him, Uh a guy from Chicago who's also passed away now, who I knew Michael very well later on in life also. Anyway, he called me up on stage. And I went over there and I I sat in, I was gonna play one song, right? I took a solo, the crowd reacted. I mean, this is the greatest thing that could ever happen to me just one song, and I could live the rest of my life bragging about that. You know what I'm saying? The song was over, and I went like, to, get, to tell Calgier, yeah, thank you for letting me sit in, yeah. and he pushed my shoulder down like that. He goes, stay with us the rest of the set. And I went like, ah. ah, ah. Anyway, long story short, um, I played more four more tunes with him. He said, give me your name and your number and all that. You know. Uh, it, maybe when I come to Los Angeles, I could use you. I said, "Oh, that would be great." Thank you, Mr. Jader. You know, and, and so I was living at my mother's house, and I was gone, and the phone rang, and I guess my my mother answered. She speaks broken English, and my mother answered and talked to Cal Jader, and uh, and I was out doing errands or whatever. I came home, back home uh, about an hour later, and my mom said, "Oh, in Spanish, she told yeah. me I, uh, somebody called for me." I go, "Who, mom? You know who called?" Yeah. She. Go, I wrote the number down. I said, "Who who is it?" And she said, uh, "Alligator." And I said, "Alligator, <laughs> Cal Jader, alligator." Uh, alligator. You know? yeah. yeah. And she didn't speak very good English, so, uh-huh. so she said, "Oh, uno que se llama alligator, algo así, you know, something like alligator." And I go, "Mom, who was it?" You know what I mean? She said, "Well, the number's there." I said, "Mom, was it Cal Jader?" She goes, "Eso, you know, that's <laughs> it. That's." it. I, said, I called him, of course, and and he said, "Hey, man, I want to use you." Uh, New Year's Eve at the Coconut Grove at the Ambassador Hotel, uh, New Year's Eve 1975.
0: Which, by the way, that's a big gig. Big time, man. That's a big gig.
1: (sighs) I only see that on TV where movie stars used to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, he said, you know where the Ambassador Hotel is? (laughs) Uh, The Coconut Grove. I think they were calling it concerts at the Grove by then, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. And I said, well, yeah, I see it on TV. You know what I mean? I, I don't know where it's at. I said, but no, I'll get there. And I hung the phone in and I was like, I can't believe this, you know. He hired me to do that New Year's Eve and then four nights down in San Diego. Hmm. And that's it. That's what he hired me for, for a week. And I told my dad in Spanish, I told my dad, hey, dad, do you know where the Century Plaza, uh, no, uh, the yep. Ambassador. Ambassador Hotel is yeah. on, on Wilshire Boulevard? Yeah. And my dad said, ooh, like that. He goes, ooh. He goes, what do you want to know that for? <laughs> and I go, dad, I'm going to play there. And he goes, you're going to play that?" No, he goes, no. Only movie stars go there and, and only bah. rich people go there. You have no business there. I said, Dad, do you know where it's at? He goes, Pa ya, por la wheelchair. Paya He goes, That means far away over there in wheelchair somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I finally got to the gig and I played and after the first set with Cal Jader, I married mean, took me in a little dressing room about this size, small room, and took me in there and said, Poncho man, you really sound great. Uh you sound like a young mongo Santa Maria. Oh who was my hero. Oh. And um and said, uh, "You got the gig," and I told him, "Oh, I have the gig for tonight and four days <laughs> in right, yeah, right, right. I'm good for
0: tonight. No, no. Yeah,
1: you, you're in the band. So I could not believe it, man. And that was uh, New Year's Eve, nineteen seventy four. Was
0: that your Was that your ticket out of the foundry? Absolutely. Well, yeah. it's funny. I was I was laid off from that foundry. Oh.
1: and my unemployment was getting real thin. By uh, the I yeah. had been collecting employment for about four months already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And playing little gigs from side uh-huh. time to time. So uh, things were getting real thin. Yeah. And uh, they hadn't called me back. The found They shut the foundry down. That's what right, they did. Right, right. So I was
0: I needing a job. Yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? But, I mean, think about... Th- so some of the soloists that have worked with Cal Jader mm. over the years. Mongo being one. Willie Bobo. Armando Perazza, mm-hmm. Pianist Lonnie Hewitt. Oh, my! Lonnie was a good friend of mine, man. Vince Guaraldi, mm. Chick Corea. So all of a sudden now, you're the featured soloist.
1: Man, I'm doing that.
0: I, I mean, did some of this happened. run through your mind as you're, you know, as 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 you were beginning with him, that you were you were you were filling a pretty significant chair, if you will. Those are
1: my, they're still my heroes today. All those, yeah, all those guys you mentioned, they're my heroes, and I'm blessed that I got to know them all. I actually mm. played or played with them or got to know them very well.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, I mean, I just um, I was I was dead serious of being Cal Jeter's conga drummer. Mm. Whatever it took, I'm gonna to learn how to do everything the right way. Mm. As a matter of fact, I remember I played in. The, I was in this band for seven and a half years, yeah. and I played one night after about. I was in the band for about a year and a half, or we played for many gigs already. And I made a mistake on stage, a break. I missed a break,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I got mad at myself. I went, "Shit!" You know, on stage, and Ken went like this. Great, <laughs> you're human. <Yeah. laughs> I he told me that. I went, "What?" Yeah, he goes. You never make mistakes. Thank God you finally made one. Yeah. Now I know you're human. Yeah. I said, no, but it's bad I made a mistake.
0: Yeah. That's how serious I was. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about, about Cal Jader and, and, and about, I mean, you said you, you were with him for seven and a half years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really, this was, this was very much the beginning, if you will, of, of what, would, what would really be your career. Yeah. Um, what, did, what did you learn from him?
1: Well, you know, uh, I mean, he didn't sit me down like a music teacher yeah. and say, here's how you do it and all right. that. It was just more like just hanging out with him. That's mm-hmm. how you learn, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I, I was lucky because I had all the early Cal Jada records and I knew all the songs and mm-hmm. all the breaks. So he could call off a tune and I knew it, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, 90% of it, you know what I mean? So I was lucky there because mm-hmm. I studied his music before I got in his band. Mm-hmm. So that was a plus for me. Yeah, And then I learned a lot from Cal just... Being on the road, basically, I was on the road with him for seven and a half years, and I was with him when he died. I, I seen him die, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in Manila, in the Philippines, when that happened. But but just by being around him every day, you know, he would—sometimes I'd go to his room on the road, and he'd be on the on the line with a club owner or a promoter, and he'd be yelling, all upset, and like, you know, I'd just go, oh, man, I wonder if Cal's okay. And, yeah. And I didn't know nothing about the business in those days. I'm just taking care of Cal Jeter's conga chair.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, Cal says, um, hung up the phone one time and he said, Poncho, one day you're going to know what I'm going through right now. He goes, you're going to have your own band one day and you're going to go through a day like I'm going through. He Mm -hmm. goes, I need me a... Uh, scotch and water, right now, to take the edge off. Yeah. And I didn't even know what take the edge off meant at yeah. that time. I drank beer and that was about it, but I didn't know what take the edge off <laughs> means. I, I hadn't had that much experience in life to know what that meant. Yeah, And of course, you know, after he'd passed and about three years into
0: me being a leader, mm-hmm. I had a day just yeah. like that. <laughs> I said, ah, yeah. that's what he means. Yeah. Take the edge off. But what a great apprenticeship to, you know, to, to, kind of get a sense of what it meant to run a band well, and, the, and the kind of responsibility you had. Well, you
1: know, Scott, uh, uh with Cal, you know, one the one great thing he had, he had a knack for uh, picking out like a standard, mm-hmm. uh, just an American standard, mm-hmm. and do it as a mambo or a cha-cha or a bolero. Mm-hmm. He, he, he would find a way to, to, to adapt it to the rhythms, you know what I mean? And he did that a lot. And so I started uh, seeing the way he did that, like, oh, he, he would take... Um, uh, uh, just some standards, you know. Mm-hmm. He'd pick a standard, do you know, Mrs. Jones or what's it called, uh, any of those type of tunes, you know, standards, mm-hmm. and he would adapt it to a mambo or a cha cha, and, and and I said, man, that actually lends itself nicely. Yeah. it's got a nice smooth groove to it, you know.
0: You know, he 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 uh,
1: he had some great ideas yeah. like yeah. that. Did you guys you guys, guys
0: ever ever talk about you know because because he was of Northern European yeah. descent. You know, it's it's like where where did that in, in a guy like that you wonder where that groove came from? Well, Cal
1: Jader, uh, a lot of people don't know the story. Cal Jader is Swedish descent, uh-huh. uh huh, Swede, a uh, Swede, right? And he was born in uh, St. Louis uh, in a vaudeville family. Uh, he was a tap dancer uh, and then became a drummer. Uh, people don't a lot of people don't know Cal Jader was the first drummer with Dave Brubeck's band mm. before Joe Marilla and all that. Hmm. Yeah, Cal was the drummer with Dave Brubeck's band first, and that's where Cal met Armando Peraza. Well, he met uh, then he went to George Shearing's band playing vibes with George Shearing, and that's where we met Armando Peraza, the great Cuban right. conga drummer. And that's what started making the things go for him. Cal was uh, a, a, a tap dancer, so Cal could dance the mambo and the cha cha cha. He was a good dancer for a white boy. He could yeah. dance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, one, one time we were at 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 uh, at Hard uh, Rooms concert by the sea. Yeah. yeah. And I was playing there with Cal Jader. And and in, in walks uh, Buddy Epson mm. from the uh, Beverly, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Remember big tall buddy, yeah, yeah, buddy yeah. Epson? Uh, Jed Clampett. Yes, I, that, Jed was, that was the role. So, and I was watching I would always watch the Beverly Hillbillies in those days. Cal, they waved to each other and go, "Wow, does Cal know Jed Clampett?" You know. <laughs> anyway, that's so they. We took a break and they, were, they got in the back room and they were hugging each other and kissing each other and, and they were having a, you know a toast, a, a scotch and water. I said, "Wow, Cal knows Jed Clampett." Go, Guys, this is Buddy Epson. you know. And I said, "Oh, that's oh that's right. That's his real name, Buddy Epson. Mm. And and I'm just like in awe, like, wow, that's the guy from the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. And then he goes, Hey Kel, let's do our old routine. And and I thought, what's that all about? And he goes and Cal goes, Oh man, I don't tap no more. And he had like rubber shoes on like these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, and he goes, Come on, let's do it. And I swear, right in the little back room the at uh, in right there in Redondo Beach, they started giving and go like he Cal could tap, man. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and that, Bud, Buddy Ebsen was a yeah. He was in musicals and you know in the thirties and forties. If you think
1: about, remember he yeah. used to come up with Shirley Temple and all those old yes. movies and all that. Yes. And I went, holy shit, yeah. Buddy Ebsen and Cal Jeter, and they could tap, man. Crazy. So you know,
0: crazy. You learn a lot of stuff out yeah. on yeah. the road. Another guy who was important to you, Claire Fisher. Oh god. Um, um, <sighs> it, it, he he was a composer and an arranger. Tell tell me about meeting him and and how he was helpful to you. Claire Fisher was great, man. Claire
1: Fisher was a harmonic genius. Mm. That's what he was, man. I mean, the chords he used, beautiful, man. That guy was a harmonic genius. Well, see, he was in Cal band in the 60s. I was way too young. And then he was gone for, I don't know, 12, 18 years, whatever it was. Then he joined the band when I when I was in it. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got to know Claire Fisher. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, I know he wrote like Morning and I Pensi- remember Pensativa? Spring. Pensativa. Ooh, yeah. that's a, I recorded yeah. those tunes yeah, yeah. with him yeah. on my record. Uh- he helped me write tunes. The very first tune I ever wrote in my life is called Baila Mi Gente. I've recorded about four different times now. <laughs> Baila Mi Gente, Claire Fisher helped me write that tune because mm-hmm. I had ideas, but I I don't know how to read or write music. Today yeah. I still don't. Yeah, But I write my tunes through piano players or trombone players Mm -hmm. or whatever. Claire helped me write out my ideas and that's what became Baila Mijente. And we did a bunch of songs like that together and we got 50-50 on them and all like that. Sure. But Claire, man, was such a beautiful guy. I remember we were coming from Tucson to Phoenix. That's only about a two-hour drive or an hour and 45-minute drive. And we had to rent a car. We were doing gigs with Cal Jader. And I got the contract from Albert Marks. I don't know, about 10 pages, you know? I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> and then Claire said, Poncho, you drive to Phoenix, and I'll read you the contract. Mm-hmm. And he, and I said, oh, thank you. That really helped me out. And so, Because he helped me get it, you know what I mean? Sure. So he, I'm driving to Phoenix, and Claire's right there, reading all that fine print, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And he goes, Poncho, do you know what that means? And I go, uh, no, uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so he'd break it down to me, and next page, and next page. By so the time I got to Phoenix, Claire read me my whole contract and said, "Poncho, I think it's a good idea to sign with it." I said, I, "I think so too." You wow. know? But he explained everything to me.
0: Yeah, you did a recording of Dizzy Gillespie and Chano Pazzo tunes, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that was with Terrence Blanchard. Am yeah, my man Terrence. Yeah, T. Yeah, and uh, and I'm wondering, and a terrific album. But Thank the question you. is, I'm wondering, by doing that album, did it put in your mind that someday I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take on Coltrane?
1: Yeah. Sure did.
0: Yeah, because yeah. when I when I hear when I listen to that record, like you, and, and and now having heard what you did with Coltrane, it's like these are almost you know same size you know different sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah, uh, you know well, like I, you know, like we mentioned, earlier, these are my heroes, man. Yeah, and, th- and to me, they're the greatest that will ever live. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how how big I think on them. Yeah, I f- even feel I could never be. Is as great as them because these are my heroes. You yeah, know I mean, you know, Dizzy Gillespie. Thank God I got to meet Dizzy. I played with Dizzy. He played with Dizzy Gillespie was a special guest with my band several times. So tell, I, tell
0: me I, about working with him. What what, what Dizzy, was special man. about working with him?
1: Oh, Dizzy man, God only made one of those. <laughs> Dizzy is the greatest man. I remember we flew all the way to Sardinia. I mean, I got to my room and the hotel was kind of nice. You know, I mean, it was all right. You know, I mean, more like a. More like a bungalows, you know what I mean? Yeah, but but yeah. it was very clean yeah. and very proper and nice. It was nice, but it wasn't a beautiful hotel, okay? Mm. I was in my hotel room, it was real hot and I had the windows open and I'm over there in Italy to think like, Wow, I'm gonna play with Dizzy's gonna play with us and and it was the first day of the tour, first day that we were gonna go for almost a month to everywhere, you mm-hmm. know. And we're there and then I hear somebody walking down the hall. You could hear him coming down the hall because it was set up kind of more like a bungalow, and it was hard floors. Yeah. And I could hear people walking, like three people. So I'm listening, and then I heard Dizzy going, "Yeah, man." You know, I go, like, you know, that's Dizzy. You you know his voice. Yeah, you know sure. I mean? That's that's Dizzy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I said, "Oh my God, Dizzy Gillespie was walking down." I mean, I want to open the door and look, but I just listened, listen, and then I thought, "Oh my God, they opened the room right next to mine." I said, wow, Dizzy Gillespie going to be in the room next to me? Oh, man, I'll be like this every <laughs> night, you know, just to see what Dizzy Gillespie does, you know? Well, they come down the hallway, in there, and uh, Dizzy go, man, sure is hot. It was one of them hot, muggy yeah. summers over there. And then they opened the door, and, man, I'm right by my door just listening. Dizzy just stuck his head in there and looked around. And he said, uh, can, can I cuss on this thing? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Dizzy, Dizzy looked in there, looked around, and he said, can you tell this motherfucker <laughs> that slavery was over a long time ago? <laughs> and, and they, they closed the door, and I heard him walk right away. Back down the hall. And, and I went, "Wow, maybe one day I, I could be big enough yeah. to say something like that." You know? Yeah. And that's just one of the little Dizzy Gillespie stories. I mean, he, he is he is one of a kind, yeah. or he was one of
0: a kind. Yeah. Let's talk about the um, the 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 Coltrane record. You do Blue Train. Yeah, you know, which is you know from '58, so you know, relatively early in his recording Mm, career, you know, mid mid, Mm -hmm. um, and then Liberia and Giant Steps, which is that's already 1960, and he's moving towards a Love Supreme. Yeah, you know, at that point, Um, Circle of Fifths, man. Yeah, man. I mean, a very pivotal time in in his in his career. What made you choose those songs? What? Why was that interesting to you?
1: Francisco Torres uh told me about Blue Train he goes mm-hmm. Poncho, Blue Train would probably, yeah. probably be a good idea I said oh of course everybody's got that record you know right. oh, that's a great tune man it's cool It's simple but cool yeah. you know uh he said yeah uh, he goes you know it, it'll it, it, it lends itself to a cha 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 you know you know the original. yeah
0: but it lends itself
1: to Cha-Cha, right?
0: Why take it? Why take him on now?
1: Well, actually, I wanted to do it a while back,
0: uh-huh. about three or four records back. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was just, you know, you, oh, well, for instance, uh, John Burke, you know, I work with John. We mean, John made a lot of records, ago. I don't yeah. know seven records together, yeah. something like that. And we did it from day one to, to the day it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Burke helped me with everything and before my musical director at that time was David Torres, who has now passed on, and now Francisco Torres took over that job. Um, And uh, John, actually, John would come to my house and would kick around stories and ideas for the next record, you know what I mean? Which, man, I don't know if, all the other artists get this, but that's what I get. <laughs> and that's why I've been with Concord longer than anybody. <laughs> so John come to my house. The personal.
0: Yeah, he says, what,
1: "What do you want to do next?" You know, I go, "I don't know." And I got a whole ho- a room full of old records and yeah. CDs and videos. I, I'm a collector, so I have stuff from when I was in junior right. high school right. in my house. You know, and so I'm putting stuff on for John and stuff that John never even heard. He go, well, "I've never heard that before." Well, anyway. We started coming up with ideas of so what do you want to do. So, actually I actually told John about it, I think about four or five records back. Mm. And so, I'm, we're talking over 12 years ago. But the, we said, well, why don't we do this instead? And then, that, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, you know? And uh, the Chanoposo Dizzy Gillespie thing, actually, Jim Castle uh, from the Berkeley Agency, who was my manager uh, for like 16, 18 years, mm-hmm. he told me about doing a tribute to Dizzy and Chanoposo. And it just, then he just let it go. We kind of just let it go. And then now my manager, now for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years, something like that, I don't know, a long time now, Ivory Daniel, uh-huh. Ivory told me, hey, I remember you told me about, you want to do the thing to, for Chano Pozo and a thing for John Coltrane, uh, why don't we do it? Yeah. So Ivory Daniel is the one that pushed it. Mm-hmm. And that's why that Chano Pozo Dizzy Gillespie came, right. came out and exactly the same thing happened again. Ivory Turnponcho, When are you going to do this, John Coltrane okay. tribute? Right. So when somebody's there, your, your management or your your managers giving you support to kind some something that you love. Right. Come on, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going to be too hard to yeah. push. Okay, stop bending my arm. I'll do it. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Yeah,
0: I'll go do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. So, so that's that how. That ha-
1: so uh, I'm sorry. That's how that happened.
0: Yeah. That record comes out on on the 20th. So, last last question. Um, You've taken on James Brown's music. My man. Booker T and the MGs. Um, we talked about Tower of Power. Yeah. Um, now John Coltrane. But it's all filtered through your kind of unique approach to Afro-Cuban music. Why, why is it that you, you think that that approach, and particularly Afro, you know, that Afro-Cuban approach, seems to work so well in all these different genres
1: well all that stuff we just talked about what you just said it's it's in here my heart mm-hmm. and it's in here mm-hmm. in my mind i've thought of all this for many years and i'm just getting around to do it all you know what i mean i just like it if there's something on my record it's because i like it it's not because somebody told me you have to put this record on yeah. you have, you have to do this song on your record because, you know, that's the latest thing or uh, I uh, my records don't have nothing to do with that stuff. Right. It's just what is Poncho like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then of course I opened that up to the band. What is Francisco Torres like? What is you know, Ron Blake like? And I we're like a family, so we start kicking around ideas. And then like like the last the the new record, uh I told Andy Langham, my piano player, Andy No, I need a 6'8 tune, man, for the record. I don't know, come up with something, man, but think about John Coltrane when you're doing it, you know what I mean? And he came up with Subet. Well, actually, he called it Up and Up first. Uh And I go, what is it called? He said, Up and Up. And I go, Up and Up? I said, why don't we call it Subet? He goes, what's that mean? I go, to go up, (laughs) Up and Up, Subet. And he goes, I like that. So that's how you work it. And then on, on that particular tune, we added all kinds of overdubbed, uh, my friend uh, uh, Cornelius Duncan uh, with that uh, kalimba. Of oh, the, the kalimba, like yeah. the thumb, thumb, yeah, thumb, 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 thumb piano, piano or whatever, whatever call it. it's called. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I thought huh. of, of putting that on there. I put the talking drums from Africa, yeah. the talking the talking drums on there. I put the kiha, which is the jawbone of a donkey. You, you hold the kiha, you know, the thing goes, and it echoes, it's a jawbone of a donkey. We we, uh, we added a lot of stuff to that sube sure. but uh, back to the question, um, all, all these things that, uh, all these records we mentioned, all the different types of music, I just try to find a way, which I learned from Cal Jader, to adapt them to what I like, mm. and the rhythms I like, and like that. Mm. Like the James Brown stuff, uh, Out of Sight, and um, uh, the stuff we did with Booker T and the MGs, Steve Cropper and Eddie Floyd, we did Raise Your Hand, if there's something you need, you know, where's well, a cha cha? It's, mm-hmm. it's a funky, but it's a funky cha cha. Right. You know what I mean, that's just right. like a regular cha cha cha. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a little funk in there. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so I just like to adapt the music I like and the music I grew up with
0: to come out with yes. this. Well, all I can tell you is we're glad you're still doing it because it's you. fantastic. Poncho Sanchez, thank you so much for being Thanks, on the God. Prestige Seven Good to see podcast. you again, man. You bet, man. All right, you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You'll find additional episodes of the Prestige 70 podcast at craftrecordings.com forward slash prestige seven zero or wherever you download podcasts. This episode was brought to you by Craft Recordings, crafting the future from the past. Edited by Zach Stilwell and produced by Laura Saez. I'm Scott Goldman. Thanks for listening.